He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. The path through a woman's life has been illustrated by the maiden, mother, and crone archetypes in many cultures throughout time. But with more children being reared in childcare, women who are bypassing parenthood, and women who weren't born women, is this still relevant to women today? In today's podcast, I'm going to take a deep dive into these archetypes to see if we have evolved into a new phase of humanism or if these old standbys still have something to teach us. If you struggle with fertility issues, painful menstruation, gender identity issues, body dysmorphia, or feeling like gender doesn't matter anymore, or even if you love where you are, take a listen and see if we agree. I'd love to hear from you. And if you benefit from the show, please practice reciprocity and return the love by giving us a review. Podcasts live and die on reviews, so it's a great free way to give a little something back. Another way that you can share the love is to share a testimonial. If I've worked with you and you benefited, tell us. Shoot me an email or video sharing the before and after. If you've been on a Surviving to Thriving event, are a member of the private community, or just like the podcast, share the love. It helps a ton. So in my private community, we are gearing up for the initiation into womanhood, which starts in September. There are lots of juicy conversations happening about femininity, menstruation, fertility, and the phases of life that women go through. And you can pop on over there and join us if you like. The website is in the show notes. As we're all sharing, it's easy to see that we all come from different places and have had different experiences, but it all starts with the maiden. The initiation for the maiden is birth. We're born with a vagina and that makes us a maiden. Now, a maid's not a boy. I don't know if you knew this, but statistically speaking, there should be a 50-50 chance of having a boy child or a girl child. But 54% of babies are male and 46% are female. But check this out. Nature balances out in childhood because being born male increases your risk of dying earlier. I don't know at what age the population evens out and it's 50% males and 50% females, but it's pretty young. Testosterone makes us more daring. It makes us more reckless and fearless. Little boys are more likely to run out into the street, fall into a hole, or jump out of a tree and get hurt or even die. So genitalia and hormones matters. The female energy of the maiden isn't just a stereotype that was created by patriarchy to keep us at home. We're the future of the population, and we're designed to be more quiet, peaceful, giving, nurturing, and introspective than guys so that we survive and the species goes on. 
Boys and girls all embody the innocence and purity of childhood, and that's the part that I emphasize over everything else. This trust, curiosity, and expansive love and connection to all things that comes from the child is a foundational energy that we all need to get through the hard days ahead as adults. In my opinion, aging starts when we lose sight of our inner child. It's that inner child that helps us to see the silver lining on a cloudy day. That inner child can invent a way out of the labyrinth that goes on forever. Children can fall down, cry, and get right back up and give it another go. They can fight with another kid one minute and start playing with them again the next. The resilient, hopeful, have a short memory and love endlessly, but only if they're given the safety to flourish. I've talked about the father archetype back on Father's Day. A child needs a parent who is the provider and protector. They need the mother to nurture and support them. I talked about that back on Mother's Day. When a child grows up with a healthy balance of masculine and feminine as caretakers, they have the freedom to play. Play is a child's superpower. Play is how they learn. Nothing's too serious. There's no goal to meet, no bar to hit. Whatever happens is for the joy and experience of it. If they fail, they just start again or pick up another game. But a lot of people didn't have that safe space. A lot of kids, even today, don't know what it is to play. Everything is measured and judged by the outcome. Do I look cute in these clothes or with this haircut? Does this activity get a better chance of getting into a prestigious school or get you more acceptability among your parents' peers? Sports becomes a job. Playing with dolls becomes practice for a career in fashion design. And kids get the message that they're always behind or not measuring up. I once had a client with complex post-traumatic stress disorder who couldn't play. I said, hey, Susie, for homework, I want you to do what you love to do when you were a little girl. Do that thing and let it lift you up. Every time she tried to sing Disney songs or color, she'd break down in tears because those are the things that her parents judged her on. She wasn't a good singer. She couldn't color. She didn't play nice with her dolls. It's just ridiculous. And I say this to shine a light on it so that if you're doing this to your kids, you stop. If this was done to you, I see you. It wasn't the best thing. It probably shut off your child energy so your right brain creativity was lost. Your innocence and creativity was lost. But to be honest, this happens to all of us at some point because that is the thing that kicks off our call to adventure. It's the thing that says, I'm not going to take this anymore. I have to do something. And we go off in search of ourselves. The child becomes a wounded child in search of healing. If we are all victims, we can be like the princess in fairy tales who waits for someone to rescue us. This is the first opportunity for arrested development. So what does this look like? Here's some of the ways it can show up, but this is definitely not a comprehensive list. So first, being easily offended. If I'm offended, what I'm essentially saying is that you are responsible for my feelings. You have to make me happy. I have no power or responsibility over my life. Two is blaming. This is the same. It's avoiding responsibility to escape shame or having to fix things. This gets you short-term relief, but at the cost of power. Another one's emotional outburst. Children cry when they don't get their way. They have tantrums. They don't know any better because they weren't taught, but expressing emotions the way that children do is a sign that your maturity hasn't caught up with your age. Don't get me wrong. 
Anyone can have a moment now and then, but if this is your habit, it's probably a sign that you're operating from the wounded child energy. Another one is waiting to be rescued. It's like the princess in all the fairy tales. If you wait for someone to do things for you or give things to you, you're definitely not owning your own power. While it's super nice for other people to take care of you, adults are capable and can do it for themselves. Another one, are you an old soul? When you were a kid, did grown-ups look at you and tell you how wise you were because you could keep up with grown folks' conversations? Were you more deep than other kids? In many cases, that's learned. You didn't have the freedom to be a kid, so you had to do what you had to do to be acceptable. This is not always true, but check to see if it fits with you. Another example of that is the parentified child. This is a child who takes care of the parent's needs. Sometimes, this is things like um, the child making breakfast and getting the parent up for work. Sometimes it's more emotional. The child soothes the parent, gives them a back rub, listens to their dating stories or work problems, and that kind of thing. This may make you feel closer to your parents, but it comes at the cost of your innocence. Now, don't beat yourself up if this is ringing a bell. Today's about self-awareness, not judgment. If this is you... You didn't have the guidance or support that you needed, so just keep that in mind. So, it looks like the maiden is still a useful archetype for modern girls, right? We all still go through a stage of innocence, dependence, and curiosity. We all still get disillusioned somehow, right? We all still need to have the imagination to believe in things, to make them into reality. So, we definitely need that child, that maiden energy today. One example of a child archetype is Gretel from Hansel and Gretel. Gretel's just a little girl. She's pure goodness, and badness falls upon her. She uses her imagination to figure out a way of her problems, and Cinderella is another maiden. She's far beyond puberty, but she has no experience in the world. She isn't defying anyone. She's beloved by her father and treats her wicked stepmother and sisters with goodness. There isn't a willful, selfish bone in her body. And this may seem like the ideal situation because it leads to happiness forever in the story, but this can only happen if she remains ignorant and innocent. So it comes at the expense of her discovering herself and her own hopes and dreams. Cinderella reads like the perfect love story, but it's really a case of arrested development. Cinderella doesn't have her own identity. She only matters because she married the prince. So what happens next in the woman's passage through life. Motherhood? Geez, I hope not. <laughs> Way back in the day, a girl stayed in her father's house until she went to her husband's. Few women were independent or had careers, so a girl going from her father's house to her husband's just made sense. Today, most of us have a long period before starting menstruation and creating babies. I call that stage the seductress. The threshold between maidenhood and seductress is a physical one. Like birth, it is thrust upon us. Males have to make their own rites of passage. Nature creates it for females. Once the bleeding starts, we're able to create life. That's a no turning back now moment. The physical part of it is beyond our control. We don't get a say in when our periods start or how big our breasts will be. We just have to wait and see. As for the emotional changes, we have to figure that part out. That's the seductress's game, really. It's all about transitioning from the dependent child to an independent adult. And this is a game of power, and the weapon is often sex appeal. 
The girl figures out that sex is a currency that buys things, and she may use it to get attention, a better job, a partner, or to feel better about herself. The seductress is all about her. It's like being a toddler again who's figuring out that they can hit, say no, and run away. She has desires, and she's figuring out how to get what she wants. Again, like the toddler, she's willful and selfish. She's going from being someone who is acted upon and told what to do to someone who has her own ideas and can act upon the world. If she has the space to explore that, she'll gain confidence, healthy power, and be capable of growing into a stable, healthy mother. If she doesn't, she'll continue to struggle with power and anyone under her, like employees or children, will suffer from her lack of leadership, selfishness, and wishy-washiness because we can't successfully govern others until we have discipline to do that for ourselves. This stage is like spring fever energy. It's been spring for a while, but it's not quite summer. Things are blooming, mating, birthing, and sex is in the air. And here comes this lush, fertile young woman who doesn't know her own power yet. She's exciting and excited, and she needs space to explore, make mistakes, have some fun, and figure out who she is because when motherhood comes, it can't be about her anymore. An example of the seductress is Morgan Le Fay from King Arthur. She's a powerful sorceress who knows her own mind and does what she wants. She has her own agenda and goes after it. She uses her body and even her own son as weapons. And it might sound like I'm celebrating this. And in a way, I guess you could say I am. I believe that people need to go all in and push limits to find out what theirs are. They need to make mistakes, fail, get hurt, and hurt others sometimes to find their center. If we are dutiful and good, we end up being Cinderella, kind, good, and loved, but maybe a shell of the person that nobody really knows because we don't know ourselves. Think about the Grimm Brothers fairy tales. The women, and most of them, only had an identity through their husbands or fathers. Morgan is not about that life. She isn't trying to marry Arthur or sit by his side. She's out to make a name for herself. That's the difference between the maiden and the seductress. But here is a sneaky little twist. Sometimes the ploy that the seductress uses is to play the damsel in distress card. Snow White is one such example. She's fleeing from the queen who's trying to kill her when she comes upon a cottage in the woods. It's filthy, so she begins to clean it, hoping the owners will allow her to stay. They do, and she starts taking over, telling them to wash her hands and do her bidding. Grumpy is the only one who recognizes that she's taken over, but by the next morning, he's putty in her hands. She's no damsel in distress. She's a seductress in all her powers. And this breaking away from her parents' rules and desires is necessary. She has to figure it out in whatever way she can because she's moving towards a phase of her life where she can create life. Every month, her womb prepares her for this. It's a powerful force that can't be denied. And if it's to be the sacred incubation chamber that it has the potential to be, she can't be an innocent maiden. To blossom into the mother, she has to know who she is. The maiden mother crone triple goddess doesn't have a seductress phase, but I think you can see why I slipped the seductress in. Do you agree that it should be there? Let me know in the comments. What about the mother? 
Does this still have a place in modern life? I don't see how the mother can't be there. The womb is the doorway to life. Without it, we wouldn't be here. This is an essential part of the feminine lifespan. The mother is the nurturer. She's the unselfish one, the giver. She values the purity and innocence of childhood and seeks to create and preserve it. She's done the selfish work and knows who she is. This gives her the strength, energy, and motivation to build something, create something, or nurture something for the benefit of others and future generations. Her time on her own is what allows her to step aside and let her kids' needs be first. She knows she may never get a benefit from what she creates, but her love is so great that this is not an issue. The mother could be nurturing children, a project, a business, a belief, music, art, poetry, or a community. She doesn't have to be the parent of children. She is the creative force that must blossom. To see what I mean, we can look at the story of Persephone, the daughter of the mother goddess Demeter in Greek mythology. When Persephone is kidnapped by Poseidon to be his bride in the underworld, Demeter frantically searches the world for her. She's thrown into grief and despair, and the world becomes infertile. No food grows anywhere. There's no love, abundance, or happiness, because all that flows from the mother's love. So as we look around the world today and see how people disrespect their mothers, motherhood, and the earth, who is a great mother, we know that the mother archetype has pulled a Demeter. She's underground. She's oppressed. Everything is balanced. Where a mother's love is not honored and allowed to flourish, or when the mother is denied or disrespected, everything suffers. You can't treat the mother as if she's insignificant or invisible and expect to flourish. You can't take from her abundance and not reciprocate and find an everlasting ATM. It'll shut down eventually. Not because the mother gets fed up. It's because her energy is depleted. To finish the story. When Zeus finds out what Poseidon has done, he orders him to release Persephone. However, Persephone has eaten from his table, which means she can't leave the underworld forever. She has to return. They work out a bargain where she spends half the year above ground and half below. And that's how we got the seasons. When mother is allowed to be a mother in love, abundance flows. Life is fertile and there is love in plenty. When she's deprived of her creative outlet, she and the world around her withers. Now, there are a lot of people who don't get the mother. They think that to be a feminist, we have to turn our back on the mother because women can be anything. To be stuck into that role means we're weak, without options, without power, and are dominated by men. Those who think that are confusing human society with a powerful archetype of the mother. Archetypes belong to all people, male and female past, present, and future. They belong to the collective unconscious, and men can have mother energy too. It's not just about having a womb or having children. The mother is a creative force, and the father gives the seed. He's an equal player, but the mother has the womb. She is the nurturer. It's through her that life comes, and the denial of the mother is a denial of life. So the mother is fecundity and fertility. She is the creation of life joy, death, sorrow, everything. Nothing exists without the mother. She's far more than a baby-making machine because another aspect of the mother that's often overlooked is the dark mother. She's also called the devouring mother. 
When a mother overmothers, overprotects, or smothers, she destroys what she creates by not allowing it to flourish into its own unique being. She's controlling. The mother is the creator, but she's also the destroyer. In Egyptian mythology, we have Hathor as a mother goddess who's associated with fertility, joy, motherhood, rebirth, sexuality, gratitude, music, and dance. She had another face in Sekhmet, and she was also the destroyer. Yeah, the ancient gods and goddesses were often two-sided. They were the balance of yin and yang. Sekhmet is the warrior goddess who got drunk on blood and went on a rampage. This dark side of the mother is hard for Westerners who are reared in the idea of goodness at all costs and being judged based upon your goodness and worthiness. How could a goddess or mother be destructive? But death is a part of life. You can't have a life giver without a life taker. Everything dies. That's part of the cycle. I know that might be hard to wrap your head around and I'm not saying that you should go around killing things. I am saying that for everything there's a season and knowing when to let things die is one of the lessons of the mother. And what happens when the mother has succeeded and reared her children? Her kids have left home, her business has peaked, her husband has benefited from her undivided attention or perhaps died. Well, it's time for her second seductress phase. This is a time of menopause when her blood ceases and she retains all this life-giving power for herself. See, many women lose themselves to their jobs, their marriage, or their kids. They don't feel that they have a purpose anymore when their looks fade, their body isn't so thin and sexy anymore, or they get a divorce. In modern society, women have one option. That's to be the young sex object or a cougar. We're judged by our sex appeal. If you're a seductress, you're a bitch because you're all about you. If you're a mom, you're ignored because you're on, you aren't on the market. If you're old, well, you're obsolete. So you might be good at making cookies and being someone's grandma, but you aren't really seen as a player in the game. But the second face seductress is saying, uh-uh, I'm here and I am somebody. And one of the things I love about COVID is that social isolation meant that women couldn't get their hair done. So many women stopped worrying about it and went gray. So we got to see a lot of celebrities age in front of our eyes. And guess what? They were still beautiful powerhouses. They showed us that beauty and significance doesn't have to come wrapped in a youthful package. A lot of people die before they take their last breath. Some way before. I think that having a seductress archetype gives the mother a way to be important and relevant to herself and others. During this second selfish phase, she can turn her attention back to herself and see who she wants to be now. Motherhood has changed her. She gave, gave, gave selfishly, and now it's time to find out what that means for her. Maybe she takes on a second career or a different one. Maybe she finds a new lover or recommits to an old one. Maybe she travels and reads books. <laughs> She has a lot of time now that used to go to others for herself. And if she continues to be a mother once her kids are gone, she may fall into a stage of arrested development again. And this may look like the overbearing mother-in-law or the meddling parent. We have to leave our adult children alone to figure out their own lives. Staying attached can mean that we don't get to live our own dreams, which I'm sure is why some people do that. It's easier to tell someone else what to do 
than to blaze your own trail, right? But life evolves. It's calling for us to evolve too. Follow that sacred wheel and move with the seasons, you know? Only if a woman does that, is she ready for the crone phase? I often say that there are many old women, but few crones. A crone is a woman who has experienced life. She's gone through the maiden phase and either kept her inner child alive or went back to retrieve it after it was lost. She did the seductress phases and knows who she is. She did the mother phase and knows what it's like to create and love endlessly. She's known deep love, pain, death, and has come out the other side with wisdom. It has scarred her. She doesn't care what you think of her sagging breasts, stretch marks, laugh lines, or any other scars or imperfections she has. Those are the marks of a well-lived, adventurous life. She's well past menopause and is in her resting years. She may not be resting, but her focus is half on this life and half on the next. She's closer to death. It's her constant companion. Spirit whispers in her ear whether she hears it or not. And this makes her a little witchy and scary. She knows things. She's fearless. She's ready for death and still very much alive. I've seen women who are in their 30s and 50s claim this energy. While none of the phases has an age associated with them, as it's more about an energy than an age, the crone is postmenopausal. I'd say 70s and above. Maybe it could be younger if we lived in a more feminist, spiritual, or holistic society, but I think it takes a lot of life to get that strong and wise. When you think of the goddesses who represent death, you see a crone. Kali, Sekhmet, Hecate. They're scary and maybe even creepy, but they're inviting women to embrace their power and to not fear life. Death is a part of life. Rebirth is a part of life. If you're afraid of dying, you're afraid of living because living requires that you fail and get back up. Love, lose and love again. Lose it all and start over. The crone is the one who says, I don't care what life throws at me. I'll see it through and continue to shine. And this is not out of ego. It comes from an embracing of her personal power and worth. This doesn't necessarily mean she's a CEO or some kind of powerhouse the world recognizes. Her way of being true to herself might be tending a rose garden in her backyard or playing golf with her friends. She sets the stage for what her life looks like. It's a life of intention and meaning for her. She knows the value of life and lives it in her own way. The crone also stands as a bridge between life and death in the same way that the maiden does. The maiden is fresh from the other world, and the crone is on the threshold to the other world. This gives her more spiritual awareness than she's had at other stages in her life, and she may use this to help others cross over. She's a way shower, a hermit. In cultures that employ professional mourners or keeners, they were often crones. Crones bring out the grief so that it doesn't call the loved ones back. It's important that they move through the veil to the other side and crones help them get there. This is a wildly important role. And the lack of crones is one reason why I see so many stuck souls and so much fear of death. We need these people to walk fearlessly in front of us to show us the way. I don't see many crones, but I want to. And this is why... I'm hosting the Initiation into Womanhood. It's a virtual class that prepares women for the stages of womanhood. We then have an optional initiation ceremony where you claim your status before witnesses. 
If you haven't heard my podcast on initiations, an initiation is a no turning back now moment where you are not what you were the moment before and you can't go back. It's an embodying of your status. This is important because so many people don't know who they are. Inside, they are children or somebody's wife or somebody's boss. They didn't know who they were for themselves or how they belong in the world or how they serve. Initiation is a step towards independence and belonging to yourself. It's a way to say, there is something that can never be taken away from me, my identity, and I claim that for myself now. Even if it's stepping into motherhood where you know you're the mother, it gives you a way to fight for that and to be that without guilt or shame. In my breakthrough coaching work, a lot of what I do is help people break the chains of attachment to their childhood wounds. I believe this is another way to do that. It's hard to describe what it feels like to stand in your strength and power, but I can tell you that it gives you a, I don't give a poop attitude without being defiant or sassy. You just know your own strength, power, and self, and become immovable. You're confident. When girls are maidens, they value their maidenhood and aren't in a rush to get older. Society can't push them there. When seductresses own their self-exploration, they don't feel guilty or bad about making mistakes, trying new things, or even going wild. It's just part of growing up. They aren't self-conscious about their bodies or manipulated into doing things to be popular or liked. They can stand their ground because they have the strength of other initiated women around them who mirror back to them their worth. When mothers value mothers, they rear children who value mothers and create a world that's fertile, fabulous, and luscious for all. They make better parents and healthier families. When mothers enter a second stage of the seductress from a wiser, more experienced place, they prepare themselves for cronehood. And when crones can lead the way for younger generations, we all struggle less. There's more solidarity, and the road to death is less scary. So do I think the triple goddess of maiden mother crone is still relevant? Yeah, you bet. Three's a magic number. I love the idea of all that juicy energy being embodied in one person. But I do think that the modern woman needs the seductress. She's crying to be recognized. I think the lack of her in our conscious awareness has shoved her to the forefront and shows up as a sexualized woman in all media. She needs an acknowledged place so that we can be whole women with meaning and appreciation in all our faces. And if you're ready to begin your journey and to exploring what this means for you, or maybe you're even ready to be initiated into this power, check out my private group and join the class. The initiation is once a year and it's this October. Let's start a revolution to reclaim womanhood in all its aspects. Like the podcast? Please subscribe and share the love with a review. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.